You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. We kick things off with the usual market update. I'm joined uh, on the line by Markwe Masilela, who is, of course, the Chief Investment Officer at Markwe Fund Managers. Markwe, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, do you want to give us a sense of what happened in the markets today following, I mean, of course, we got the non-farms numbers out on Friday. Um, how's the market reacted uh, coming into the new week? Um, evening to you, Jimmy, and to the listeners. Not a good day, you know, when it comes to the, uh, the JSC and also the European market. As we're talking now, the U.S. market is up. And we just have this whole thing and not understanding how to digest it. You've got this issue that given what is happening with that Silicon Valley Bank, then most probably the U.S. Fed next week, they might not have to increase interest rates. That's an excitement when it comes to the U.S. market. And I think with us as well, earlier in the session, because we opened up strongly, we managed to cheer those news. And also the fact that we've seen that there is an intervention coming from the U.S. Fed officials in a way bailing out the depositors this time, not the shareholders. And we started to start unpacking the whole thing. And we started realizing that, you know what, maybe... We've got a problem here. The Fed is not addressing the concerns of the bank's asset side when it comes to the balance sheet, but they're more on the liability side, you know. And the, that repricing of the expectation, yeah, we just got excited a little bit, but the concerns about this whole thing of the banks, you know, getting into trouble, and we all understand that there is this huge problem that the widening gap between the value uh, that the large lenders place when it comes to the bonds they hold and what they actually worth on that market, that gap is more of a problem more than anything. But that happened to weigh down on the market more than anything else. We're deeply in the red, just like our counterparts in Europe. But as we said, the U.S. now is still opened down a little bit. But as time goes by, they've managed to take off uh, those worries and then they're starting to be more positive and I think it's all this expectation that listen at some point they were filtering in a 50 basis point hike but now they're thinking maybe no hike or probably the Fed will realize that hey guys our actions have now have serious consequences when it comes to the market. Mm. Do we not think that um, the the market reaction might be uh, somewhat premature? Because what we've seen in in recent times, of course, is every time there's an announcement out of the U.S., the market is now starting to react a lot more sensitively towards these data points, uh, whether it's uh, jobs numbers, whether it's inflation numbers, whether it's the announcement that interest rate hikes are going to be increasing uh, at a rapid rate. I mean, the rand now is at 18 rand 20, having come off of 18 rand 50 or 18 rand 60 sort of uh, pressures. Do we not foresee that um, if the U.S. continues on this sort of uncertain path, that's going to have a ripple effect on our local economy? It's every deal, and you're right, when it comes to the currency itself, I mean, that thinking that the U.S., uh, what to call it, what they want to have, they don't have to increase interest rates, but to help the likes of the, the rent to strengthen because the U.S. dollar was also weaker and also benefiting from commodity currencies. But tomorrow, you know, we've got the consumer numbers coming out of the U.S., mm. and that number as well can turn things around if that inflation happens to be hotter than expected. But yes, markets are markets because we're human beings, 
Jimmy. We get a knee-jerk reaction, and after some time, we start digesting all these things and start looking at all these possibilities. Because remember, if you trade, you always want to be the first one to make sure that let me take this position, then I'll be able maybe to sell at a higher price before the stock starts going down. Or maybe I'll be able to get a stock at the bargain price before the stock starts going up. So hence, we'll always have that kind of a knee-jerk reaction to all these things. And thereafter, when things have settled and we start applying our minds properly, then we might still continue on the path or realize that, ooh, guys, we think we overreacted. But generally, I think the markets are making a big mistake. We continue to try to fight the Fed. And my understanding is that we don't have to fight the Fed. Even if they are wrong, we just have to go with what they're doing because you cannot afford to fight the Fed. And similarly, the bond market, that there was more or less getting it right compared to the equities market because we are holding contradicting views with the bond market. We look into the recession expectations. We think, ah, we might have some soft lending, but the bond market is not thinking like that. Remember, even before this whole issue of starting to increase interest rates, the bond market continued to maintain that these guys are behind the curve. Mm. These guys have been... Uh, you know, ignoring the fact that inflation is not temporary. They kept on telling us this is temporary, blah, blah, up until they realized that it was. This is kind of permanent. So, yeah, I agree with you that it's some um, in other instances we tend to overreact. Absolutely. And I mean, the, what we're seeing as well as a result of that overreaction is when markets do move, they move quite quickly. I mean, if we look at just the performance of our mining and resources stocks today, they seem to have benefited largely off of the um, gold price being up, what, 2% or so, palladium being up 6%. Sure. Um, how did our local miners perform? Very well. Remember this whole thing, it was, there was flight to safety. Mm. And mm. we know that gold as much as it's not yielding anything, but it tends to be seen as a hedge whether against inflation, against political or geopolitical tensions and stuff like this. So flight to safety people will go to the likes of their gold, the likes of their bonds, you know. So hence we've seen gold is doing okay and just last week itself. Remember this gold has been doing well. I mean the for the whole of last week gold I guess it was almost a percent. Other things were down, you know. The oil price was down for the week, 4% last week. The rent weakened half a percent last week. The JC weakened around 2.8%. So people only started seeing that as safety more than anything. Yeah, I mean, the gold price from just the this time last week was sitting at around uh, 1818 or 1818 $13 an ounce, and now we're back at above $1,900. Uh, but, Marco, before uh, I let you go, I mean, uh, there were a couple of trading updates that also came out locally. Uh, TFG, for one, came out with, with an update. Looks like they're still spending a lot of money. Looks like they're not happy with the load shedding situation, and they're saying they're spending millions and millions on, on that. Not a good thing at all, you know. And on top of that, the guys lost almost 345,000 trading hours for 11 months. That ended on the 22nd of Feb. So this whole thing of load shedding is chowing into everyone. And the retail turnover has been reduced by almost a billion. And as you are saying, additionally, they've got this unbudgeted direct cost, you know. We're taking plus minus 65 million that the guys have to incur because of diesel. And on top of that, this load shedding also has to up up your security. And you also have to up up maintenance because some of these things get to be broken down. And so far, the guys remember they spent almost 222 million on backup power solutions. And they're looking forward to spend another 30 million, you know, to ensure that almost, you know, 
uh, what you call it, 80% by turnover of their African stores have backup power over the next few months. But yeah, this whole thing is impacting negatively on everyone. Yeah. Another company that came out with a trading update today was APSA, of course. Um, what did they have to say in their latest update? They reported the highest ever profits, and that's despite taking impairments from their exposure to Ghana. We know that countries got a serious problem when it comes to sovereign debt crisis, and the gross loans and advances up almost 10%. And we've also seen that in their peers. I think NetBank was up almost 7%. Deposit also managed to go up by almost 4%. And look into their cost-to-income ratio, managing to reduce that by 3.2%, total income up just under 10%, and with net interest income up a whooping 13%, and we all know it's because of those interest rates that have been going up. And as we always say, at some point we are able to benefit as a bank from interest rates which are going up. But you get to a point now where you become what you call a Silicon Valley bank, where those interest rate increases starts working against you in the sense that your clients struggle to start a repay or they're not making enough money so they have to go and tap into those deposits that they've been keeping with you. Yeah, and that absolutely might put your business at jeopardy. I mean, like you said, Silicon uh, Valley Bank, Signature Bank, Silvergate, uh, all U.S. banks that in the last uh, month or so have uh, come under serious trouble and uh, have us all questioning the entire fractional reserve model that the banking system uses as as, as a whole. Um, before I let you go, Makwe, the other update I noticed was Grand Parade. Now, Grand Parade, uh, if you remember, had the Dunkin' Donuts business, they had the Burger King business, they had Baskin Robbins, they released a trading update about headline earnings and basic earnings per share to be up. Um, does this does this mean that the business is sort of showing signs of recovery? Because I know that they planned on selling on a lot of that uh, side of their business um, and focusing more on what they had left in their uh, gaming assets. It is, you know, and if you look into gaming assets, because even if you look into some of their peers, you can see that you are, some of these gaming things are almost back to the levels that we've seen it uh, pre-COVID. So it shows you that at least people are starting going back in there. But also bear in mind, as much as they've managed to sell most of those things and being able to pay back some of the debt, so it tells you that also now their revenue stream is no longer diversified and it's more of a linear business. And a linear business will probably maybe start to generating less revenue going forward. My point is we have to be cautious when we celebrate that people manage to get rid of some of the assets at some point that is going to affect their income or revenue going forward. Yeah, especially if that gaming side of it does start to suffer. But like you said, the gaming side of it is doing quite well. And we'll dig into that a bit later when we chat to the Sun International CEO about their gaming side of the business. It looks like that was a big contributor to their profits as well. But that's all we have time for, Markwe. Thank you so much, as always, Markwe Masilela, who is the Chief Investment Officer at Markwe Fund Managers, just giving us a sense of what's happened in the markets today. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.